You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. We, we have been discussing for a few weeks, uh, we've been going through some keys about, uh, here's the general idea for everybody, and I really do have to move with this because I've got to get into what we have for this morning. Uh, we've been talking about this idea, and the idea is that as we give our lives to Jesus and then he leads us along, that he takes us through by his word and by his spirit. He takes us through these encounters with himself. And through those things, he literally changes us on the inside from the person we were before we came to know him to the person that he created us to be. And so we're calling those transformational moments. They're, they're moments that we run into with God uh, that, that powerfully change us on the inside. And we want to learn how to steward those so that we we get everything that God is bringing to us in those moments. So that's what this series is about. And we've been talking about we've been talking about the first key to that being that you've got to make knowing Him, not just knowing about Him, but knowing Him, developing that relationship, the very first priority in your life. And we discussed that and went through a lot of things on that for a couple of weeks. But today I want to begin getting into this this second part of this, a second key, which is that we need to accept our new identity and our new role and position and essentially the assignment that we as the church have in this earth because that'll completely change the way we look at everything. When we recognize what God's plan is for us and for the church in our salvation and our time here on this earth, when we recognize that, we recognize that we have this enormous assignment that absolutely cannot be carried out just in our natural ability by ourselves, then we start to, many times when we start to take that seriously, we really start pressing into God because we realize how inadequate we are without the transformation that God brings. Does that make sense to you? So uh, I want to get into that today. I'm probably going to, for the sake of time, spend some time just I'm going to try and stick to my notes and kind of read uh, read some of this to you. But, you know, we're at Christmas time. We celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, his coming into the earth. But then the question that people ask is, why? You know, why did Jesus come? Why did he take on flesh? Why did the eternal word of God with the Father set aside that particular expression of his deity and take on flesh and become like us and begin to express the servant heart of God to us as Jesus Christ. And there are lots of answers to that. And they're, they're all correct. I mean, you know, we have lots of biblical answers to that. He came to redeem mankind. He came to pay for our sin. He came to uh, create an open door for a relationship with the Father. He came to show us the Father. He came to show us exactly what the Father is like. He, he came for so many reasons. He, he uh, came to the earth for all of these reasons. He's the only one that could be the perfect substitute for us at the cross. He came for all of these reasons, and, and all of those are true, but I want to zero in on this today, that in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, and you might just want to jot some of these scriptures down today. 1 John 3, 8, it says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested. 
All right, or for this purpose, the Son of God appeared. For this purpose, the Son of God came that he might destroy the works of the devil. That word destroy is, is the word that means to dismantle. It means to dissolve, to completely tear down. It is, and it is translated in the New King James as destroy. He came, he was manifested. Why? To destroy the works of the devil. All right, to completely destroy them. What Jesus did and the way that this plan has worked is he came and the scripture tells us that he began that work. In fact, Luke, in writing uh, the book of Acts, uses that exact terminology. He said, I'm going to tell you about all the things that Jesus Christ began to do. And we see this in a number of ways throughout the New Testament. Jesus came, he began this work, and then he commissioned us as the church to carry on the very same work that he did. And that work is described as destroying the work of the devil, which, you know, there are all kinds of manifestations of that. But, you know, wherever the spirit of the Lord is, the scripture tells us there's liberty, there's freedom, there's emancipation from bondage. Bondages are broken. He came uh, to set the captive free. He came uh, to set us free from sin. He came to break every type of bondage. He came to eliminate sickness and disease and death and poverty and all the things that result from the sin condition in the earth. Jesus came, he was manifested to destroy the work of the devil. Well, that same thing, that same mission becomes our commission. That same mission he passes on to the church. And we have to recognize that the way that Jesus did that, he, he did not function in natural human ability. He functioned in his ministry on this earth and you, and you need to think this through. You've got to think about this fact. Jesus Christ is 100% God and 100% man. When you get that all reasoned out and understood in your brain, explain it to me. But it's just one of those things. He is. He is that, he's a unique person. And he is 100% God. And at the same time, he is 100% man. When he functioned in this earth, he did not come and function as God in the earth. And we're going to look at a number of scriptures that bear this out this morning. He came and functioned as a man under the Abrahamic covenant. New covenant hadn't come about yet. Under the Abrahamic covenant, filled with the Holy Spirit. And when he commissioned the church, he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to continue his work. All right. So it tells us that this was his mission. In John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus himself says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do will he do also, and greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. So here we are. Jesus says, those who steadfastly believe in me, you will do the same works I have been doing and greater works. And I think for the most part, we're still just trying to get to doing the works that he did. Okay, well, I'm not sure we've really hit the greater works yet. But this is what he said. This is what he spoke over the church. This is what Jesus Christ said about leaving the church in the earth. He didn't function 
just in natural ability. He functioned in the power of the Holy Spirit, and he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to carry on his work. All right, does that make sense? I mean, it's pretty simple. This term works, the works that I've been doing, comes from a Greek word that means works of power. So it includes his miracles, all right? Works of power, work performed. Uh, this, this word can be work that is performed and it emphasizes the idea of the energy that's released when we accomplish something, when we perform work, okay? And, and throughout the New Testament, it is used uh, to describe the work given to Jesus by the Father, performed by Jesus during his work on earth, and left to be carried on by the church. All right? Jesus accomplished that work uh, through relationship with the Father. We see him saying, I only say what I hear the Father saying. I only do what I see the Father doing. And he did this work empowered by the Holy Spirit. And again, you, you just have to, well, I'm not even going to take time to, we'll get into this in just a minute. So our assignment, and again, my point this morning is we, one of the things we need to do if we're going to be good stewards over these encounters with God is we've got to start looking at life through the lens of the assignment we've been given. Because when we start looking through life, we start looking at life through that lens we immediately feel inadequate, all right? And we should, we are inadequate. If we're understanding what the assignment is, we in ourselves are inadequate. But with God, we are not inadequate. With the Spirit of God working in us and through us, we are not inadequate. But there's a choice that every one of us get to make about how much we allow the Spirit of God to work in us and work through us. God is not a puppeteer and he's not a dictator and he has made so much available to us, but it is available to us. It is a free gift. We get to receive our salvation for free simply by exercising faith in Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross. We get to receive the empowering of the Holy Spirit for free, but we have to exercise faith and receive the gift of the Father. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the gift of the Father. We get to choose to receive these things. And when we do, we are empowered for the work that he has given us to do. So let me just go through this. Let me just give you some bullet points about this assignment. Uh, and there are many more we could go to, but let me just give you these this morning. Our assignment is to make disciples of all nations, right? This was the commission Jesus gave to us. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. That happens as we both preach the message of who Jesus is, but maybe even at least equally as important, we demonstrate that the kingdom of God, the message is the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom of God is near. When, when Jesus said, the kingdom of God is near, and he sent his disciples out with that, that word near means it's a proximity word. It means the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom of God is right here. And, and the kingdom of God is simply the realm in which God rules. And where God rules, how do we know what that's like? Two, two things. We look at heaven, we look at Jesus, and we look at his ministry where God rules Sin doesn't rule, uh, 
heaven, is, heaven and all of its values and all of its qualities are being released. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no death in heaven. There's no cancer in heaven. There's no babies being lost from the womb in heaven. There's none of that stuff. And when Jesus went out and he ministered in the earth, he went out and he had a message that he preached for sure. And his words were powerful and they were anointed and people recognized the authority that he carried. But he went into places and he healed the sick and he raised the dead and he cast out demons. He fed people that needed to be fed supernaturally. He took care of people. He set people free. And many times he did those things before he brought them the message that he wanted to bring them. He would somehow impact their life with the power of God and they would know God is here. God is on the scene. He prophesied to a woman and talked to her and she went back into her village and she said, come see the guy that just told me my whole life. You know, she knew that God was on that scene. And then he had the conversation with her about her life and lifestyle. So this, our commission is to go out and demonstrate the kingdom as well as preach the kingdom. We are to preach the kingdom, but we're also to demonstrate it. Here are some other ones. We're told to pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right, things we are, we are to be here bringing heaven to earth, releasing the qualities and the values of heaven on earth. And that's not just a spoken message. There has to be more than that. We cannot do that in human power alone. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. We can't do that in human power alone. Undo the works of the devil. Restrain the kingdom of darkness and release the kingdom of light. Bind on earth what is bound in heaven and loose on earth what is loosed in heaven. Bind on earth what is already bound in heaven. Loose on earth what is already loosed in heaven. We can't do that in just natural human talent and ability. We can't do it. We can't do it with just a good argument. We need the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. So that the good arguments that we do have, or I would rather say the message that we bring, the truth that we bring, one part of the Holy Spirit working through us is that he does anoint those words. He comes upon those words. He's the only one that can carry a message into the hearts of people. We can be the best orators in the world and the best logicians in the world and that's, that's not what Jesus sent us to do. He sent us to do so much more than that and gave us so much more than that, all right? So here's the deal. We have developed a really, really bad habit of reducing the assignment that he gave us to something we can do on our own. We reduce it from what Jesus demonstrated and commissioned and we see throughout the book of Acts, the disciples carrying out. We reduce it from that because that makes us really uncomfortable and we turn it into just speaking a message. We turn it into just preaching, just having the best argument, just having a logical presentation of the gospel. And I'm not saying, it, it's not that the gospel is well, it is illogical. I mean, it is the fact that God came and died for humanity and, and in defeating the enemy of humanity, it laid down and died. I mean, yeah, it, it does not fit into human wisdom, but it is the wisdom of God that is so far above human wisdom. And it is, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation. 
And certainly the gospel is a message, but it comes with both a message and demonstration. And to do that, you've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. All right, this is why Jesus was so emphatic about it with his disciples. And it was what he modeled to us. This is why when we get to the book of Acts, we get to the end of the gospel of John, we get into the book of Acts, we find Jesus raised from the dead. We find the disciples in John chapter 20, verse 21, he's already breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. They've been born again. They've received Jesus as Messiah after he went to the cross. They've already had that experience. And he tells these people, stay here in Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere. Stay in this upper room. Wait until the Holy Spirit is poured out. And then do the commission that I've already given you. But wait until the Holy Spirit is poured out. And the reason for that was because they couldn't do it in their own power. He was emphatic about it. And this is why by the time, you know, 50 days later when the Holy Spirit was poured out, there were 120 out of 500 still that stayed and remained and prayed in that upper room. All 120, not just the 12 apostles who then died later and all this went away, okay? Not that. Bible doesn't say that. All 120 regular people, none of them had been to Bible school or seminary. They weren't special. They didn't have halos. They were faithful. They did what Jesus told them to do. They waited. All 120 were filled with the Holy Spirit and went out into the street and began to declare the wonderful works of God in other tongues to where and so that people from all nations were able to hear and understand who God was. It was a supernatural act that took place. All 120, all 120 were empowered to go out. This is, this is why, because you can't do this just in your own natural human power. We need, as Jesus said, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus didn't, he, he talked, he spent, I mean, what we have as three chapters late in the book of John, right at the very, very end of his ministry, he takes the time to talk extensively about the coming of the Holy Spirit. I'm going back to the Father. The counselor is going to come. The Holy Spirit's going to come. He takes this precious time with these precious people to describe all of this. And he didn't just send the Holy Spirit um, to set up an office in our neighborhood where once in a while when we need an answer, we can go visit the Holy Spirit. We can make an appointment and go get some counsel and then go try to live that out. He set this thing up so that we become the temple of the Holy Spirit, the place where the Holy Spirit lives. We, every one of us, become a carrier of the Holy Spirit. We go out into the earth, into dark places, and we bring that light because God dwells on the inside of us. This is the process, this is the, the, process, the, the plan. This is how he set it up. I'm sure he could have done it a lot of other ways, but this is what he did. This is the way that he did it. Because there's no way we can do the same works that he did and greater works than these in, in natural human ability. Does that make sense to you? There's just no way that we can do that. And, and listen, people, we only carry what we receive. We only, we're only able to distribute into our world what we will receive 
and what we will become saturated with. That's what we, that's what we carry. Okay, and, and all that's true of all of us. We carry into our world whatever we are saturated with. So let me read a couple of passages here about this. Uh, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. It says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Talking about the water baptism of John the Baptist. Okay, so this is the very beginning of his ministry. And as he was praying, it says, heaven was open. Mark tells us that it was shredded. It was torn open. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. So Jesus has this experience. He, he submits himself to the baptism of John, which is what God was doing in the earth. It was just a baptism of repentance in water, a baptism in water. And as he was baptized, as he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit, the heavens are torn open. The Holy Spirit descends on him. And then the first thing the father says to him is about his identity, which is really interesting. And we could spend an hour on that, but we're, we can't. The first thing he says is, you're my son with whom I'm well pleased. And the interesting thing is that for us, the scripture goes on to say in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit is still that seal. It's like a king's signet ring. It's that seal that tells the whole spiritual world exactly who you are. Tells the entire spiritual world that you belong to the Father. It's like when a king would put that ring into wax or whatever, and, and it, it said, when that mark was on something, it said, this belongs to the king. The, the New Testament tells us that's what the Holy Spirit in our life does. He becomes, he, he becomes that evidence that we belong to the king. I want to read from John chapter 1, verses 29 through 34. This is really important. So, Listen up. Don't think about the food, the cake, the, you know, whatever might be out there. Uh, says the next day, this is the same timing, same event. John's writing about it. The next day, John, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me, whose ministry comes after mine, has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. John says, this is Jesus' cousin, John, all right? He says, I did not know him. Obviously, he knew who Jesus was. When he looked at the man, he knew it was Jesus of Nazareth, his cousin, all right? But he said, I did not know him. I did, I did looking at his outward person, I didn't recognize that he was the Messiah. He says, I myself didn't know him. But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Did you get that? John the Baptist has this ministry. It comes, there's been 400 years of silence from the last Old Testament prophet to the time John came preaching. All right. And, and during that time, here comes John. This is, I mean, this is the beginning. God sent John as this prophet. Jesus said there's no greater prophet in history than John. And here he comes and he has this ministry. And, but he says the reason for that whole ministry was so that Jesus would be revealed to be the Messiah. That's pretty powerful and pretty 
humble of John to recognize. And he was the one that said, I've got a decrease and he's got to increase, right? I mean, so here he is in the midst of the move of God. Out of that, the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus. And John says, I didn't even know him. Until he goes on, he says, John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. That was new in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit would come and lift and come and lift. Somebody would prophesy, he'd lift. In the Old Testament, he couldn't live in people. But in this case, he came and remained on him. I would not have known him, except that the one who sent me to baptize with water said, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remains is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testify that this is the Son of God. The, the, the sign that Jesus was the Messiah was the fact that the Holy Spirit came upon him and stayed and remained. And then it goes on. I don't have time to get into them all this morning. It says in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, that after this, Jesus returned from the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so it indicates to us that he was not full of the Holy Spirit before this event in his life. But he returned from that experience, full of the Holy Spirit, went into the wilderness and started to just kick the devil's butt with the word of God. The devil would come with a temptation and Jesus would bring the word of God. All of a sudden, this man starts teaching and preaching and running demons off and healing the sick and opening blind eyes and all of this. He moves into demonstrating what it looks like for the kingdom of God to be here. And later, he gave us the same commission and and wanted us to do it in the same way, okay? In Luke chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, it talks about, it says, then after the time in the wilderness, then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. That word power comes from that word dunamis. This is old news to most of you. And all of the variations of that word speak of carrying something carrying an inherent power, like a stick of dynamite. Some power ready to be released. Okay? It says he came back in the power of the Spirit. And so he began his ministry that way. And, and there were many ways that was manifested. One of them was through miracles. The other one was through the power that was upon his words. Jesus himself said, my words are spirit and life. And we see several times where people that heard him said, this is different. This guy speaks with authority. I believe that authority that they were sensing wasn't just that Jesus got up and was strong and mean of personality, okay? It was that the anointing, the presence of God was on his words and there was power there and they weren't used to that. And it struck them differently. We need that when we talk to people about Jesus or when we bring the word of God to people. You can't go out there You can go out there. You shouldn't go out there. You're going to get really discouraged just trying to win a theological argument with people. If we're going to talk to people, we need to bring the presence of God that, and good grief, to know what to say. I'm talking about, think about the real people in your life. I'm not talking about standing up, talking to a bunch of people who mostly agree with you. This is easy. 
talking to the real people in our lives that have all kinds of things going on, have all kinds of confusion about God, need to know the heart and the love of God, that's got to come. That The Spirit of God has to bring that stuff out and has to carry it into their lives. But the only thing that's going to carry it into their, their realm is you and I. And we can't do that just with a good logical argument. And I'm going to give them this scripture and then this scripture and this scripture. If the Spirit of God tells you to do that, do it. But he may have you do it in an entirely different way. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. It says that Jesus grew in influence and in favor. He grew in, in persuasive ability. It was, this was an increasing thing in his life. All right, so let me wrap this up. So the point I'm trying to make this morning, I'm doing it, trying to do it real quickly, is that Jesus went out with a whole lot more than just a convincing story. And when it came time to release the church, to carry on the work that he had been doing, he didn't send us out with just a convincing story either. He didn't expect us to go out with just the story. The story's important. The story is the word of God and it comes forth with power and anointing if it's coming from the Spirit of God on the inside of us. Otherwise, it's just theology. Everybody has ideas. It's no good to go out there these days and just try and I have a better idea than you do. Well, prove it. Grandma has cancer. If God's around, maybe he can heal her cancer. You know, I mean, that's how Jesus did it. He went out there and he healed the sick and he cast out devils and he set people free. And his commission to us is exactly the, exactly the same thing. So he went out with more than just a convincing story. He sent his disciples out more with more than just a philosophy. He never intended for the church to reduce the assignment to just having a set of doctrines. It's just that the doctrine's important, but he never intended us for us to bring this down to something we can do on our own. And we don't have to go out there and take risks. And stand, I mean, it's a risk when you go out and you, not because God isn't faithful, but because of where we are and everything else, when you go out there and you stand there and you put your hand on a sick person and you pray for that person to be healed, yep, you may come away from that situation feeling all kinds of things. Elated because the person got healed or uh, deflated because it doesn't seem like they did. And then you get the choice of standing and praying and continuing with that thing and seeing a victory there. You may come away from that feeling silly because you think you didn't do it right. I mean, we all go through all this series of things. And that's why we talk about spend really good time with God in private and then go out there in public and take risks and open your heart to people. You know, ask them if you can pray for them. Take a sack of groceries to them in the name of Jesus, whatever it might be. So Jesus sent them out. And so again, I'm going to come back. I've got just, actually, I'm not going to tell you how much time I have left. Don't look at your watches. I'm going to finish this up. I'm going to give you these scriptures because here's the pattern that we see throughout the rest of the book of Acts. Remember the book of Acts, it lays out a pattern for us of how the church was birthed and how the church functioned. It covers about a 30-year period. And, and all through the book of Acts, we see this exact same 
pattern. And it begins in Acts chapter 1. Jesus talks about, he tells his disciples, don't go, stay here in Jerusalem. Wait for the gift my father promised. That's what he calls the Holy Spirit, the gift my father promised. Who wouldn't want that? He didn't say, wait for the plague my father promised. Wait for the warts my father promised. He said, wait for the gift my father promised. Why would we not want that? Which you've heard me speak about, John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, and so he tells him, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes and you will be my witnesses. He doesn't say you'll receive power and then go do witnessing. He says, your life is going to be transformed and you will be my witnesses throughout the whole earth. So we know that in Acts chapter 2, let me just give you these five. You can look these up. These five, this lays out a specific pattern that happens over and over and over and over in the New Testament. People receive Jesus as Lord. They are born again. Then they receive the Holy Spirit what Jesus called the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is, a, it's just the Holy Spirit comes to live in you as soon as you give your life to Jesus. But Jesus said to people who were already born again and had received that aspect of his ministry, to those people, Jesus said, wait for this, what he called, what he called the baptism. It means saturation with, it means immersion in the Holy Spirit. Wait for that, and you will be empowered to be my witnesses, okay? And we see them do that and the results of that in Acts chapter 2. So they are born again, then they receive the Holy Spirit, then something powerful begins to flow out of their lives. And in that case, in Acts chapter 2, they all went out into the streets, they began to speak in other tongues, and people heard them speaking in their own languages, declaring the wonderful works of God loads of people got saved. Loads of people came to Christ. Power was released. Stuff happened. Okay? And you see that same pattern over and over. Let me just give you a few. Acts chapter 8 verses 1 through 14. I'm sorry. Uh, Acts chapter 8 verses 14 through 18. People were born again. They were water baptized. Then they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And there was such a dramatic change that happened in them. We don't know exactly what happened there, but there was such a dramatic change that one guy got jealous of it and wanted to buy the ability to give people the Holy Spirit. Something happened, something tangible and outward happened because somebody wanted to buy it, all right? It was obvious that something happened there. In Acts chapter nine, Saul is on the road to Damascus. He is converted he gets born again, accepts Jesus. He was renamed Paul. Then he receives the Holy Spirit. Then he receives the miracle of his sight being restored and this ministry that we all know about. And then he was water baptized. He was water baptized at the end. The only order to this whole thing is you do have to be born again before you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But other than that, we see a few different things. Acts chapter 10 Okay, this is the house of Cornelius. All these people, Gentiles, Jews would never, never have thought that they could be born again. All these people heard the word, received Jesus in their hearts. The father just poured the Holy Spirit out on them, shocked all of the Jews in the room. 
And they all began, it said, to speak in tongues and prophesy. So again, they were born again. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then something began to come out of them. It doesn't, it's not always language, but power begins to come out of people. Something tangible begins to happen out of people's lives. They begin to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. All right? So, how many is that? Is that five? Did I give you five? I believe I did. So those are, those are five incidents covering at least about 20 years where this same pattern is seen over and over and over. There's nothing in the rest of the New Testament or anywhere in church history that negates that pattern. But we as a church, not necessarily we as a church, but we as a church, have chosen in many cases to remove things that make us a little uncomfortable. They're spiritual. I don't necessarily understand all that. And just try to dumb this thing down to being nice to people and carrying a good message. All right? Being nice to people's good. That's better than being mean to people. And having the message is great. But God never intended the church to go out as a powerless church. God never intended for us to do this in a, in a, in a different way under human power from the way that Jesus Christ did it. We're not Jesus and we'll never be Jesus. But we are to be empowered by the same spirit that Jesus gave us. So why did Jesus come? Well, this is part of it. Why did he enter into the earth? To pay for our sin, to redeem mankind, to enter in for us to be able to enter into this relationship with God and for us to become commissioned and empowered to carry his life into the world. And all I can do this morning, and I've got to wrap this up, but all I can do this morning is just plead with you to read your Bible and see what it says Come and ask me questions. Ask Annie questions. Ask Karen questions. If you, you know, all of us came into this whole thing from different places and positions, and we all had questions. And some of us had doctrine that needed to be undone. But go and read those five incidents that I just gave you from the book of Acts and see that the same thing happens every single time. That this is how God works in the New Testament. And so this morning, if you're here and if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, then that's for sure the first step. And honestly, I mean, it's a, it's a powerful, but very, he made it so easy for us. It's a matter of putting our trust in him and asking him to come into our lives and to be our Lord and to be our Savior. But I know most of you, and I know most of you have already taken that step, but for some of you, you've never taken that step of in the same way asking that he he said if you ask the father he'll give you the holy spirit and the baptism of the holy spirit and if that scares you then let's say uh the the immersion in and saturation with the holy spirit that results in the gifts of the spirit beginning to flow from you again it's not warts it's not plague it's the holy spirit I just encourage you, either come up here after, after we're released and pray that prayer. There'll still be plenty of food out there. Pray that prayer with one of us up here. Holly's going to come up and be here to pray with us too. I'm sure Annie'd wait if maybe if I, we asked her. We can help you just to pray that simple prayer and let the Lord fill you to overflowing 
with the Holy Spirit and see the change that it makes in your life, okay? Or if you want to take this home, and I've prayed this with many people that have come to me with different doctrinal backgrounds, but they're hungry and they're listening. And I've said, look, just take these scriptures and pray them through. And you go to Jesus about it. I'm not, I can't convince you, but go to Jesus about it and ask him. And he will bring you, I'm sure, if you're open-hearted to the point of seeing what he says in his word and receive the gift that the father gave. So I'm asking you this morning, and and let's go ahead and stand up and pray. I'm going to dismiss everybody. But if you would like to receive that prayer this morning, I'm going to ask you to come up after church. If you have questions, we'd be happy to deal with questions with you. And as we leave here this morning, I'll, I'll pray for all of us, pray over this message, pray over the food. But as we leave here this morning, whether you agree or disagree with what was just said, I encourage you, hang around, eat some food, love some people. Jesus didn't fall off the throne this morning, okay? Father, we just thank you, Lord, so much for everything that you have given to us. We thank you, Father God, for the salvation that comes only through faith in the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us. We thank you this morning that we can be born again, that we can become children of God through believing in Jesus and just asking and receiving Jesus into our hearts. And Lord, I I pray this morning too, Father, that eyes would be opened, hearts would be tender, Lord, and that for for anyone in this room who has just not received the fullness of the gift that you have sent to us, Lord, that their hearts will be open. And and I do ask, Father, if there are questions in this room and there are doctrinal things that people are wrestling with, I just trust you. I trust you, Holy Spirit, (laughs) to work in those areas and to bring truth and to bring light and to bring life. And Lord, we are just grateful for everything that you have done for us and everything that you have given. And we want to go out into all of our communities empowered with your life to bring your life to people. It is who we are, is what you've called us to do. And we accept that assignment and that commission as you wrote it. We accept it in Jesus' name. And Lord, as we are here as family and we go to this time of fellowship, I just pray over that food and pray that every morsel be blessed to our body's good use. And we eat together and we laugh together. Lord, we rejoice together all to honor you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So there will be people up here. We'd be happy to pray uh, with you this morning. And otherwise, you'll be dismissed on the count of three. We're going to say Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. And you can be dismissed and go out here and have at the lunch. Okay. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.